Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Tom Jacobs, you know what we got to start with? A little fist bump. Guido is back in the winner's circle. Holy cow, Tom. I mean, for the love of the show, I apologize. I'm going to apologize. He wasn't on our official betting card, you know. I mean, it's... We, we, we just cheer for the guy week in and week out. And to have that Sunday excellence, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. 62 on Sunday, the shot on 18, oh, it was that, that was as pure as it gets, Tom. That was beautiful. That, that shot on 18 was just ridiculous. Because bearing in mind, I don't think there's been a birdie there all day, right? Like, I think that was the nope, first, first one. first one. Um, and he looked really, like, locked in. Like, it's been a while. I mean, we, we haven't seen a lot of him in coverage anyway, but, like, he just, they're just nothing. Like, people were, like, talking to him, nothing. Like, even, that he was obviously watching it on, like, Sky Go on delay or something because, like, uh, Rasmus had already missed the chip and, and he was, like, hadn't seen it yet. And, like, even when they were all, like, congratulating him, he was just, like, completely, like, emotionless. And, like, even, like, when he was in the interview, he was, like, yeah, so many emotions. And I was, like, you literally don't sound, like, emotional at all. It, it must have just really shocked him. Like, I think he knew... He was playing better, but probably didn't expect it yet. Like, I think he even said as much, basically. But like, you know, that kind of just came out of nowhere, which, you know, 62 to uh, to win is, is incredible, right? I think it's the lowest final round of any French Open winner. Um, it's been a while since we've probably anyone's won with a 62. I know, did Rasmus win a 63 at Crans last year? Um, B- believe be so. Similar, probably similar situation to, to what we saw yesterday, right? So, um, Wow. Amazing, right? Really good to see, um, especially one week after the Italian Open, you know, a couple of weeks into the Ryder Cup qualification. Like, I still find it hard to believe that he'll be on the team. But if he plays like that, then, you know, with, with the with the limited pool of players now, like, spots are there. Like, you know, him, Perez, McIntyre, spots are open. So I think he needs to... Uh, the, the thing I want to see from him now is to kind of build from it. Like, I feel like he won those two events and there was always a bit of talent there that kind of hung over and he could he could kind of flash right. And then he just completely lost his game for whatever reason. Um, and, and I want him to just be one of those consistent types, like be a, be a Rasmus Hoygaard, like who even he seems volatile when you look back. I mean, he really isn't. Like, he could be a five-time winner by the age of 21. So, um Definitely no way to, to criticise him. He, play, he played, you know, lights out yesterday, but I definitely want to see that more often now. Yeah, and I mean, the the context of the 62 versus what else was, was scored by anybody really sniffing of the lead. I mean, it, he had to do that, you know, wins by one stroke, everything on the line. But yeah, it was a, like, when you think about what he did in Kenya and you could really, like, feel the emotion, you could, like, he was just over, you know, exuberated with how the feelings were. And, and like, this was like a, not a calm, but like a, a confident, you know, yeah. fist pump, a walking it in, like a, a, a really, like, really good sign. I mean, we, we talked about it. I mean, I was very concerned. And maybe we need to look at Le Golf National differently moving forward because it wasn't just Guido who ended up being on the top of the leaderboard, but other power or not accurate drivers, realistically. Now, now Guido drove the ball substantially better than what um, 
he, he normally does I mean, from an accuracy standpoint, you know, he was only 5% worse than what he was uh, than, than field average, which the leading two weeks before he was like 16% and 22% worse. So like he needed to pick up that accuracy. And that was the doubt I had. I, I, I really liked him for this week way more than I liked him for last week. And we, but we saw the irons. He was third in strokes gained approach the week prior. And, and then he goes out and leads the field in it. And when his putter is, significantly improving i mean he made every he literally made everything like uh, he, was... he he walked one in from like miles away i can't remember if it was like 16 or 17 right and he gave it that like that little like fist pump that you saw like he walks it yeah and it was like it looked like a player that's been doing it for 20 years right and just expects to make those parts like you know looked like a a rory McIlroy type you know fist pump like and you know, you, you sort of talked about his 62, right? I mean, the next best round was joking B. Hansen was 66. Jeff Windsor hit a 67. Then there was just a whole host of 68s, including Rasmus. So, you know, there was really no room for him to do anything less than what he did. Um, and I think that's what's so amazing. Like, I think about Snedeker at Tory Pines. I know that's kind of like, you know, weather related and stuff like that, right? But like, like just from a and I was really surprised I saw it like obviously it's, it's the best round of a season in terms of against the field average but like it was like I mean like the 54th best or something ridiculous I can't remember the exact figure um ever and I was like that seems really strange like he's beaten at least you know most of the field by you know the next best by four strokes even so and and to birdie that final hole in that moment when no one else has like I felt that was just huge yeah I mean, anything and everything you could ask for. I think it was just the last last two months for me. Uh, I mean, not to say this gets monotonous or not to say, the, you know, we show up for, for work every Monday. Or, and I mean, not even work for, for some of us, you know, as our hobbies to, to really enjoy and getting after this. And, you know, at times it's a the dog days of summer. At times it's it's tough, especially with the way the golf world is. But I would say the last man, two months have been really um, renewing that love, that passion, the, the interest in, I mean, Guido winning was like, you know, just, just unreal. Like just to know him and the way we've gotten to follow him and really get involved that. But then like the emotion of the president's cup followed by that. I mean, that international team was so fun. Tom Kim is just a lightning, like he, he's so cool. It, it was so good to see. You could see messages. You could see Immelman just sending how much they cared and how much that, that team experience meant to the internationals. And it was like, okay, like these type of things. I mean, I, I part of that was Zal Torres winning. And then, you know, Tom Kim, when he won on that, like those like four things to me over the last couple of months happening, has been like, this makes my heart full about the game of golf. Yeah. Like, I think, I think, for, for everyone that's been kind of downtrodden about it all and I think I think for me like you know I've, I've said what I've said about Liv and, and you know we don't we don't try and get into that too much um on, on the show right but like for me it was always a case of like look just focus on the positives even if you disagree with this even if you don't like this even if it really bothers you like just ignore it like it, it can I know you, you kind of have to talk about it you have to touch upon it but like ignore it from a standpoint of letting it affect your enjoyment on everything else like go and enjoy the FedEx Cup playoffs go and enjoy the Wyndham uh for the last PJ Tour cards enjoy the Corn Ferry Tour finals enjoy this run of, of you know DP World Tour events because you, you don't want to miss that just because you you have an opinion on the other side so that's what I try to do I just try to enjoy it all and you know yes uh, you know I've, I've had a stake in the other one and, and said what I've said but like 
I just don't focus on it now. I just don't watch it. I don't. I don't really. You know, I've, I've spoken to. I've spoken to and stuff like that. But like now, it's more of uh, what. How do we? And we, we've spoken about this a lot. Like, how do you quantify the players that are coming over from those events to this one? Like, it, that's the real formula for me now. And you know, maybe that's just because I'm a, a sports better rather than a you know just a follower. But like, I think that's the biggest challenge now is trying to quantify what they're doing. So. I think golf's in a really good place. Like, obviously, you personally, like, really, really happy with Guido. I enjoyed it. Like, it. I think this run of, as I said, you know, we we kind of alluded to it a lot. Like, this run of Euro events is is amazing. Like, you know, downhill links is is huge. Like, we're going to get potentially some weather that could could spoil it a little bit, but like, um, that that factors into links golf. Like, we enjoy that. So, um, I, I think it's now just focused on the positives. Like, we've got a year now until we figure out Ryder Cup teams and things like that. Um, and I thought the best thing about the President's Cup was like, if, that, if Corey Connors had played well, that changes that dynamic of that game. Like that, you know, it wasn't wasn't the absolute annihilation that it looked like it was going to be, should have been. Like they had life. And, and I wonder what Lucas Herbert and Ryan Fox have done to not be on that team. Like every, everything that came out was like, we've got all the players that want to be here. So it makes me think that Lucas Herbert didn't want to be there for some reason, and that yeah. that concerns me a little bit. Um, or he was just left off, which I, I still find a bit yeah. of a strange decision. Um, yeah, no, all all good, and uh, you know, really exciting event to, to cover this week. Yeah, yeah, I pulled up um, as you were speaking there. So Guido was the 59th best round um, 59th. according to Data Golf. Um, in, in the history of the DP World Tour, five other rounds are inside the top 20 on this season. The second best round, um, so, so Guido, they said raw strokes gain was 9.75, true strokes gained 8.69. Um, below that, the next best round of the year was Hautong um, in the second round of the Dutch Open. Rasmus's opening round last week was um, 108th overall DP World Tour. Samoya, when he won at the Porsche yeah. earlier this year, that's 135th. And actually, Hautong has two of the best events this season. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening round of the BMW International as yeah. well. Um, so those are the five um, rounds that are inside the top 200 um, that have happened um, this year. So really cool uh, for Guido. Really cool for all of us. Like I said, Pat put out the bat call uh, for the live Back mm-hmm. for, for anyone who hopped on there, but just rooting along. I know some of some of the followers had tickets. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are excited that was, to, that to was listen. Great. Like you know, yeah. sometimes you you when you have spoken about someone or you've tipped someone or whatever, and someone's had a significant amount more money on them or like some you, you didn't you like you 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 stayed off of Guido and they didn't. Sometimes you can be like, oh, what happened here? Like why am I missing out? But yesterday it was just pure joy. Like there was two, three, four, oh, yeah. five people that tweeted us, messaged us that were like, you know, guys, Guido's done it, and it was like, you know, what? I just really enjoy that. Like it was really good to see. Yep. So shout out to those guys that, that follow along. Um, you know, just you know, we love to see that. We want to see more of it. Um, yep. And unfortunately, it wasn't because we picked him, but you know, I think you know, subliminally, you've kind of made people pick him every week. So um, one last thing I would say on last week is, I think it highlights to me the DP World Tour's problem with world rankings. So Guido is still outside the top 100. Uh, and Rasmus is like, I think he was like 130th or something ridiculous. And he's been playing really well and won, like, what was it, three times? Like, 
I'm a little like it does feel like there is a problem that they need to fix there. Um, so if they're really going to unite the two tours against Lib, then I think they need to address that for the DP World Tour. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's good tough sledding for those guys that. Um, yeah, I don't think this is a show to have to get into what no, could what what could what could happen to yeah. to some of this because it could slide very quickly. So let's hope um, we don't see that. But um, without further ado, we go into I would I dare say what this is probably I would consider it a flagship event of, yeah, of the European 100%. Tour of the DP World Tour. One of the the most I'd say you know three popular ones: the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, um, one that is. Played about a three-course rotation. We'll have St. Andrews, we'll have Carnoustie, and we'll have Kingsbarn. Um, everybody's guaranteed 54 holes. Um, and then uh, we'll have that cut after Saturday and then Sunday as the final day. It is a pro-am style. So you're going to see Rory, I'm sure, playing with his dad this week. <laughs> you're going to probably see – I think Fitzy's playing with his mom um, this week, oh, actually. Cool. Yeah, I think he posted that. Um, but you're going to see celebrities out there. Um, you're going to see uh, just some long, slow Pebble Beach-style event that you get there, but with Lynx Golf and some of the coolest golf courses um, that, are, that are really out there. We saw, obviously, St. Andrews this year for the Open Championship. Um, so I, I, I'm excited for it to come back. Um, I think the forecast gets a little dicey, too. Um, I think Friday looked pretty pretty nasty um, early. You never know with this. There's going to be splits. There's certain courses you probably want on certain days. They're going to stack, I believe, St. Andrews to be on Saturday. I think those guys normally end up for TV coverage purposes. The big guys play St. Andrews on Saturday. But we got some we got some big boys that, that are coming over here. I mean, Rory continues his dominance. You know, he's got second and fourth in his two DP World Tour events coming back here. Fitzy after that playoff loss. Billy Horschel, Lowry, Hatton, Fleetwood um, are really kind of that standalone at the top 20 to 1 and lower. I guess Horschel's a little bit deeper, but higher ranked. Um, top of the board, Tom. Thoughts? Uh, look, you know, I think we've been saying this every time he's teed out, like Rory couldn't ruin the event right for everybody like the betters he, he's there at nine to two or you know what you know was it plus 450 over there like you know that he could absolutely kill the you know the tournament but um i don't necessarily think he will uh, i think that for me it's tyrell hatton uh that, that kind of stands out um you know this is a guy that he just plays well where he plays well like he missed his first four cuts this event which is ridiculous to think because he then won back to back in 2016 2017 um, and he beat Ross Fisher both times, the poor guy, um, to by four and three strokes. Um, he was the 54-hole leader again then in 2018, but he lost to a stroke, uh, lost by a stroke to Lucas Bjerregaard. Um, and then he lost, he was the 54-hole leader again last year, and much to my joy, uh, Danny Willett won. Um, so this, he's been the winner twice and the the 54-hole leader twice in the last five starts. Like, and the other time he finished 15th. Like that that is just absolutely ridiculous and then what was the 11th i think it was in in the the open championship this year so you know st andrews just really is his jam um there was concerns that he wasn't really playing well enough leading up to this like i was very much tracking his form um just to see what he was going to be like for this because his price wasn't really going to move either way so it was kind of like deciding um when i saw rory was announced i was like look you know hopefully he gets out to a decent price that rory doesn't play every year so he got out to 20 to 1 over here which was just huge um now set of the 16 to one, I still think that's fine. Eighth at the Italian Open, just to me, was enough to, to sort of give the cement that he has been playing well enough. And you actually look, and he's actually been pretty solid since, um, you know, the Open Championship. Like, finished off the PJ Tour season pretty well. 
Um, so yeah, I, I love Tirat, and I don't think there's anything else really to say on him. Yeah, I think what was interesting to me is you really gave a really good sell job on Hat um, leading into it would have been the Irish, but you were willing to keep going back at the Scottish because leading into the Irish, he pretty much had shown nothing. Yeah, I guess I say nothing. He did top 13, the PGA Championship, kind of out of nowhere, but then he followed up with a miscut, bad performance at the U.S. Open. And he comes over and the Irons hadn't been good. And he does that in the Irish Open. He, he comes out and he does that again. But then the Scottish and then the Open Championship, realistically, it just was like a switch turned on. And show up at those style golf courses, um, you know, and you get to have that opportunity. And and that is now, of course, it's, it's priced in, you know, like it's Hatton 16 to 1 if this is not here. No, probably not. But no. you have that faith. You have the trust. And- and I wouldn't bet him anywhere else at 16 to 1. Maybe like Abu Dhabi yeah. or something like that, but like it would depend who was in the field. But it's just a completely different event. Like to your point, like he was 31st at St. Jude, the Open was 65. Um, he was 23rd at the BMW Championship, which was tough. And again, he was 6th after round 1, 14th after round 3. So, you know, he, he's been playing some really solid golf. And yes, the, the performance of Wentworth was a little bit disappointing, but I I think he's a guy that gets thrown off pretty easily. And like, that week was just a disaster, like, you know, with, with the Queen's passing and things like that. So, like, it, it was really hard to gauge what's happened at Wentworth. And we saw it with Fitzpatrick, right? Like, I, I had no faith in Fitzpatrick after that week. Uh, and he played really well at the Italian Open. And so did happen. So, um, I think now he's just played enough. That eighth place finish at the Italian Open is enough to, to favour him and his course. Or three courses. Yeah. Yeah, he likes what he likes. You know, I think it's, it's very fair kind of going with him. Now... What's interesting about this um, this event and, and kind of, you know, DraftKings prices aren't out yet, but where my eyes are drawn to is kind of this this 30s range. And, and I think I'm not ready to pull the trigger on, on yet and outright on these guys, um, but two two live golfers are, are right here. Um, one in Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch, in my opinion, is, is the best player outside of Cam Smith on that tour. Now he's probably the least rootable or uh, least one that you like to, to root for to do well. So does that factor into either A, not wanting to bet him and, and getting him at a decent number and B, um, his motivation to, to, to play well and kind of have a chip on his shoulder. We actually saw the first live golfer win in OWGR yeah. event this past week, Travis Smith, a talent that I actually like quite a bit. Um, Travis Smith did win on the Asian tour this past week. Um, Gucci at 33s feels, feels very very fine price. I mean, in the Open Championship, after two days, he was inside the top five. You know, he's continued to excel uh, on the live events. This past week was the one he did the worst. Wentworth, obviously, played exceptional. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Gooch right in there. And, and you pair that next to old reliable Louis Oosthuizen. You know, Louis, Louis also has done incredibly well in the live events. And I guess incredibly well, you can say, with, with quotes, you know, about – kind of how that stacks up against anything else. It's hard to yeah. really know the, those finishes, but he's done really well with greens and regulation. His ball striking seems to be fitting. Even at the Open Championship where he missed the cut this year, he was really, really good with the irons, just hadn't had any short game with it. So I don't know. I mean, he, St. Andrews is where he won, you know, his 2010 Open Championship by about seven strokes, I think it was. So, like, even though his Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship isn't the best, he has two top six finishes, they are – a while ago, you know, so I don't, I don't really pull in the fact that he's a course horse in that manner, but um, those two feel they're probably going to end up like mid nine K's in DraftKings. Like I yeah. really, really like them there, 
but I'm not sold on the outrights um, in that scenario. But I mean, there's some there's some interesting golfers in this range. So like Louis was like he won that Open Championship 2010, second in 2015, losing the playoff to Zach Johnson. Um, I managed to uh, have Zach Johnson and um, no, I had Louis and Mark Leishman in that playoff, and, and obviously Zach Johnson mm. won. So that's good stuff. Um, to your point about um, Taylor Gooch, like he feels very much like the Patrick Reed now of betting like no one really wants to bet him but they all sort of understand that he is pretty good and you get an extra couple of points because of it like um which is nice i think if if you want to bet him you know do you want to be cheering him on maybe not i mean like he's the like for for all i've said about you know in defense of some of these guys that have gone over to that like he he's the reason he's the one that you just can't defend like he like just shut up like you you know you're not you're not um you know big enough to, to do what you're doing right Interestingly enough, if you say he's second only to Cameron Smith, then you, you're obviously saying that he's better than DJ. I, you know, I, I think there's um, at least a good argument to be made from just a like you run the numbers, trust the numbers. Yeah. Like Axis, Axis thinks Gucci is for sure, and I, I trust Axis on a yeah. lot of things. I mean, Axis part of the big reason we, we fell in love with Guido together, you know, yeah. like he's, he's uh, a numbers guy and trust that. So like he grades out, I mean, data golf has Gooch still as a 21st plus player in the world, you know, right yeah. now. So like, and, and I don't disagree with that. What my point is, if, if you think like that, you should probably bet him because like yeah. DJ would be 10 to one here. Yeah. DJ would be very, very low. Um, yeah. I think it's, so it's interesting. He's one, I mean, I probably the talent, he's a better player than Louis um, and deserves, uh, to be shorter number there. Bob, I think Bob's also intriguing too. Like, I think he's probably going to get the, just like public money. If I would say somebody yeah, like, no, you show up at the open championship, you show up at this type of course, coming in with the form he's finally doing. Bob 33s is good. I wish Peter showed any life on Lynx courses because he's playing so well. Um, it, it's great it, to it, see. Some but... of his shots he's hitting are amazing and some of the short yeah. game he's shown is amazing he still shows that frustration that he said he's got rid of which he definitely yeah. hasn't um I, I wonder with louis if it's the 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 extensive rounds like the, the program format of the you know however long they're out there for seven yeah. hours like six hours because bad back right like he's you know, yeah just like jason day at pebble although sometimes jason day plays well at pebble because he gets because he likes it because it's slow yeah yeah so it, it depends how, you know, it depends what your take is on that. But like, I wonder as well if that's a little bit gets into Bob's head. Like, does he feel the pressure of hosting? Like I said before that he actually steps up in Scotland. But like if you're the Scottish golfer in a pro-am in a big event and you're a pretty big draw as it is, like maybe that just kind of plays into I don't know. It, it, we, we struggle so much to try and dive into the mentality of these guys. But like I would say there's a reason why those two guys maybe haven't done as well as we would expect the one guy from this range that i really wanted to bet and when i go into my next bet you will see why i couldn't do it or i'll explain why i couldn't do it like jordan smith is just so good right now like he's just so good um he's got a fifth place finish uh at this event in the past i can't bet 35 to 1 jordan smith no, because if you're going to bet that, I think you just bet Rosner, right? A double the price because they're they're kind of like the exact same thing right now. Yeah. In in that manner, like, I mean, I think Rosner actually kind of putted a little bit last week, right? He gained, he gained he strokes. Yeah, on the final day he gained. Uh, the final day, sorry, he was he was tough, wasn't he? He he struggled. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, like earlier in the week, he'd get he'd made some strokes up, and but like you, you look at Jordan Smith, right? He has such a hard time winning. Like he's won once, um, yes. and and he's lost in a playoff to you know Larafa Bell, which is no mean feat. But like when I go into my next pick, like this guy's won three times already. Probably should have won five times. Like why is he good at winning? Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought we might, you said you earlier, um, you'd be happy, uh, or you were happy last year hitting Danny Willett at a big number on this. Willett obviously losing in a heartbreaking fashion to Homa at the Fortinet a couple of weeks ago, now coming here, of course, that he is very comfortable on. If they priced him at 66, I bet we both would have been on 100%. Willett. Yeah, right? like, I, I said to you, I think maybe last week on the show, or I definitely said it on Russell Wells, I can't remember now, but like, the, anno- the most annoying thing about Willett playing well and not winning was the fact that he was going to, he played well enough to suggest that he can win this again, but he made such a mental error that you don't want to back him at 35 to 1. So um, I'd have rather he missed the cut of the Fortinet and was 66 to 1 here again because that was how we picked him up last year, right? Like we were looking at the fact that he'd missed cuts and he missed a bunch of them, but like he was one shot away, two shots away, he was gaining strokes with his irons. Like, it, it's, it's not hidden anymore, so now he's the price he is, and, and it's still fair. Like if you're a Willett backer, then then still back him, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, just the fact that what he's shown up three events this this basically latter half of the year. So he shows up the British Masters, 16th there, and then he shows up at the Omega, top 10s that event. Now he did miss the cut the BMW PGA, which is a little disappointing, but he does show obviously that in the Fortnite. That's a lot. Pop it back over and doing that, but yeah. Definitely priced in, but now we finally kind of get into our jam of selections here um, and kind of can run through um, this as we go. So, Tom, let's lead it off. I believe your guys, I think two of them, are, are a little priced lower than where my first selection is. Yeah, so for me, like Resmus Hoygaard is, is the one that I've just been trying to reference the whole time there, right? Like, yes, he lost yesterday, and yes, he made a massive mistake on Saturday, which even made that possible, uh, making that eight on a par three wasn't it i think he did um but like i was just looking back and like i've actually been a little bit not down on the, the holy god twins but like everyone was kind of putting them in the Ryder cup team for for rome and, and and everyone was kind of and i sort of said look you know they a lot of what they've achieved was during covid lots of um resort courses like we need to see them in a full season right and then like both of them kind of struggled earlier in the season but like now like Rasmus Hoygaard's been so solid and you look at it he's already got three wins he's had two seconds and two thirds and he should have won last week like I don't think that's unfair to say like we love the fact that Guido did it but he had to shoot a 62 to win by one so he should have won last week uh he should have won the Kazoo Classic last year when he had a three-shot load going into the final round um he needs a big performance in fields like this because as I've already said he's 130th in the, in the world rankings like why do we think he can't... I feel like he's priced like he can't play Lynx Golf, and we don't know that he can't, and I thought that was really strange. He's played well, um, you know, at the Scottish, I think it was, earlier in the season as well, uh, in a really strong field. I'm pretty sure he was 10th at the Scottish Open. So, like, played well in the country before. He hasn't played this event to sort of suggest... It, like, whereas Nikolai's played it and played okay, Rasmus hasn't played it. Is that a factor and he doesn't like it? I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to find out. He's like 50 to 1. I just don't get it. I don't understand the price. Well, and if I looked at kind of the way St. Andrews played out this year, now again, St. Andrews is only going to represent 50% of the holes, but yep. I kind of do think this in Link's course in general, like it's evolving with the game that the most important factor probably is 
how well, not even how well, but like, you, I, I want somebody who can really drive it long. If I had to pick up like Bryson in a sense, he, yeah. he did so well at St. Andrews, drove it long, played well with the short game. Rory drove it long, was dialed in that week with the short game. You saw, you saw, I mean, Cam Smith did, did everything right. But Cam Young hit it long, chip it well. You know, like that is the ideal way because you have way more openness off the tee. So um, I think that is what Rasmus can do, you know, here yeah. and, and have that and have that upside in it. So, yeah, I definitely think um, kind of that's intriguing. Now, I guess I'll just jump over to me. I'm at 66 for, for my next one. And yep. I think there's um, there's an overall – there's a pattern of the 66 ranges if, if you think about who – who is the first person that flashes in your mind for Lynx golf? You know, I guess there's a couple of them. There's probably five that we'll talk about today in theory, but Hatton's definitely in the top range. But Eddie Pepperell has been somebody for the last five years that you see these type of elements show up and, and he's finding a way. And, and the most intriguing of it to me really was when it was coming out of, out of form for him. You know, if you look at Eddie's kind of recent, I mean, he fell off a cliff basically, right? Like in, in 20 and, and, and 21. Yeah. So, so he shows up at this course after withdrawing at Wentworth, losing eight strokes ball striking in a round and a half, you know, basically withdrawing there. You know, the week before that, he was 46 in the Italian Open, miscut at the Omega, T29 at the Kazoo, which is, you know, not a strong event, miscut at the Hero Open, hadn't had a top 10 finish all season long. And you show up in a stacked event. And you end up finishing 17th at the Alfred Dunhill last year. You know, like that, that's meaningful, in my opinion, you know, from, from the way his form is. Then you, you go back earlier in the year, heck, he, he popped one event. He, he popped one odd event last year, and it was the Cannery Island Championship, and he had some irons. The next week, he played the British Masters, and he arguably should have won that event. If you remember, he goes in 54-hole. I think he has a 54-hole leader, that event. I don't really want to go into that event because that was also the event Guido lost, you know, mm-hmm. but we had, we had every bet covered on that board. We yeah. had Guido, we had Pepperell, we had uh, Eduardo Molinari, you know, like that was the week that, and you just, you, you stuck with what you knew about Eddie. He popped the week before and it was there. It was there. Eddie can yeah. do that. So you see, you see that trust and that faith, especially when you get into these types of events and Eddie has popped. He's had a great run, uh, probably the best six week stretch Eddie has had, I mean, since the players of, of 2019, probably pre-COVID, yeah. right? Where he was third at the players, second at the British Masters, fourth at the Irish Open, you know, like top 20 at the Heritage. Like this has been the best six-week stretch of Eddie Pepperell golf that we have seen since then. And I think I, I trust Eddie in these elements and, and I want it there. So he doesn't hit the style. He's more of a Cam Smith when it comes to the Lynx type of golf. But man, I, I really, really like Eddie this week. Yeah, you go back like last 15 weeks and sort of second in approach. And that's in a field that includes Rory, Fitz, Cyril, Fleetwood, you know, everybody, Peters, Bob. Like, so that that's really impressive in itself. His irons have been so good. Um, my only doubt with him is like, so he came, so I can't remember where it was. So we picked him um, and he came second. He was great in the final round. And whoever it was that won was just better. I can't, was it, was it the week that Crocker won? It was Hero Open, I believe oh, yeah. that was. Yes. Wing Crocker yeah. won, right? So, like, he, he, and I remember him saying, like, um, you know, just how good Crocker was and how happy he was. For him. So, like, 
it felt like he threw everything at that, gave it his absolute best and finished second. Um, and I just wonder if we're going to see like a 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, you know, 11th, whatever. So DraftKings-wise, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I think he's probably one of the safer plays. It's going to be in the range that he's in. Uh, he's going to be popular for a reason, but I think you can play it. Um, I just, I mean, I, I think he'll play well. And I think he will be there Saturday. And, and then it just depends what he does over the final two rounds. I don't think... I don't have any doubts on him in terms of like I think he's going to blow it. Like that doesn't that's not what's factoring into one at all. It's more uh, will he get to the the position? Like will he be in a position to win? Yep, yep. I think that's very fair. I think that's that's fair. And I guess I'll I'll take the uh, the opportunity cost and and hope you, you run hot on, on Sunday and you, you you get there in a place. I can live with a place when when you kind of look at this. This next yeah. golfer, um, you're you're in on. I I am debating as I'm looking into more. I see I see if I you know I'm trusting you. Obviously, we have the conversations every week. I trust Brad, Brad Todd. You know, love what Brad does, and Jason and and Ben. And you guys align on, on Thor Bjorn Olsson. And I I didn't really see the path initially. Maybe somebody's not statistically that, that shows up for me often. Kind of what I look for. But um, sell me on, on Olsson because I'm, I'm very intrigued here. So, so Olison has won this event. He's also finished second. Uh, so that that's a great start, right? Like that he's already done that. Uh, last week he was first for tee to green, seventh in approach, uh, which is huge. And then when you look at it, that's his second top ten approach week in the last four events. Um, all those off the field issues that he was having now gone. Um, interestingly enough, maybe why he doesn't show up necessarily is because like apart from the win in the second, like he's, he's not done a lot here. So his best finish off that was 45th. So 45th, 50th, 58th and three missed cuts. Um, but there was a, a decent period of time where he didn't play it. Um, and I just think that this kind of event, actually, you know, we always look for these links specialists, right? And, you know, you mentioned it with Peffel there, and we're going to mention people later on, and we've mentioned Hatton already. I do think this event does reward just the people that are playing the best golf. So we've seen Bjerre Godwin, we've seen Perez win, we've seen people like that win so like i think that the way he's playing over the last few weeks what we know about Olison in terms of how good he's in contention um just the way he shot the ball last week everything about him i really like and the fact that he's got those memories to draw from like he's not gonna because you mentioned at the start of the show like this is a flagship event it's not it's not marked as one because wentworth is um but this is a huge event for people and the fact that he's got that experience of winning it in the past like beat lee houghton lee and david horsey uh, by three strokes. Um, yeah, I think he's great. I, th- I think you look at the people that he's beaten, Chris Wood, Victor de Brisson, Brooks Koepka, House on Lee, Francesco Lanari, sort of like, like he, he's just a really big time player. And the only time he's lost in a, in a playoff was to George Cozier in Mauritius. So like he, he's just a really big game hunter. Um, I do think eventually he can get back to his best and actually start competing in WGCs and majors, you know, whatever's left of WGC now. Um, but I think he can get himself back onto sort of PGA Tour level. Um, and, and to do that, he needs to use this kind of springboard. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm there with you. I, I, I can add it. Um, I feel comfortable. And it's, it's a sneaky, like, really good year he's had. You know, like, it, yeah. it definitely is something that you don't look – but you look at, like, the race to buy, he's 20th. You know, there he's, he's got the win. He's got plenty he, of top 20s. He has 20s. been inconsistent still. Like – even his win was like, well, he made like those two ridiculous birdie eagle finish yeah. and, and two bombs. Like it, he shouldn't have won that event, right? So like, I think there's always a little bit of a lack of belief in Olison in the sense that I don't know when he's going to do it and he's not really priced how I want him to be priced. But 
he's got a win and a second place finish on this event, and it's a unique event to start with. And I know it's it's two of six of the times he's been here or whatever, like two or seven times. But I, I just think the price, I mean, he was 90 to one earlier over here, which was absolutely ridiculous. 66 to one now, uh, which I still think is great. The upside of, of Olison is a win. We know that. He's got six of them on, on the DP Auto. Yeah, so he's 70s over here. So that's going officially on the card. Um, all right, let's see here. So if we keep on going down, I think your next is still triple digits, right? Um, yes. We keep going here. Okay, so I, I'm not going to come out here and tell you all to just be weekly re-adding Guido Migliazzi to the card <laughs> without proper discussion and talking through it. But we're, we're looking at a golfer who obviously won last week, who was first in approach, third in approach, who, I mean, similar to um, Eddie, in a way, if you look at what 2021 was, um, you know, there was some, some better flashes. Now he had that stretch second, second, fourth, 13th. He, he, he kind of sandwiched his, his close of the year with some struggles. Um, and that really, uh, one place he, he found success there was here, 17th place finish. You know, I, I, I personally think Guido like sets up very, very well when it comes to open championships of the, the, I mean, you just don't have to worry about the driver and, and that if, if you go to events where you don't have to worry about the driver, then it's like it's home. home cooking in my, in my opinion. But the thing is, the thing is he's now played exceptional in back-to-back weeks where it is very important two out of three weeks where it was crucial yeah wentworth wentworth and then the golf national i mean you have to drive the ball and and he's not even driving it that well and he's still competing and winning and getting there so like of course coming off a win it's it's not easy but tom i mean why 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 is bob half the price of of guido in this scenario like Maybe make Guido like 50 or like 60, maybe. And, and I wouldn't be as tempted, but he's 80s. He was 100. He was 100 overseas this morning. 100, there was, I think there was 125 to one very early. Like, and, and, the, and the reason being is because people just don't think he can win two weeks in a row. And like everything like percentage wise and model wise, everything suggests that he can't win two weeks in a row. And I probably agree, right? But when you're getting basically 100 to 1 or 80 to 1, whatever you're getting, about a guy that has finished 17th on his golf course is probably the most suitable of the last three that he's played, and he's he's won one of them and competes at the other, to your point. Like, I mean, why not? Like, I mean, he's one of the reasons why, you know, I'll, I'll just say now, like, I'm not on Matthew Southgate yet. I, I still think, I mean, I, I put him on the card last week because I didn't want to miss out, and it could happen again this week because it's the sort of his golf course. But, like, how is Matthew Southgate nearly the same price as – I mean, it's, it's a British thing. Like, it, it's a – you know, these guys are better at links than Guido Migliotti. Like, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily strike you as this guy that's going to play really well in tough conditions and things like that. So maybe it's a little bit of that. But whatever. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't – you know, the ball striking's there. Um, you know, the course is best suited to him. Um very much, I think, in the mould of of Olsen, like a similar kind of a player, right? Like they can get really hot with their irons, they can drive the ball well enough, uh, they can get streaky with a short game. Um, so I don't think there's two different, you know, two different really, and uh, one of them's just one, and one of them's the best ball striker last week. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. You know, waking up and seeing that number. And I think for for a run of golf here, if we're not seeing him, you know, 40s and lower, you know, I think it's yeah. it's always 
always worth um, definitely kind of looking at it. Just, I mean, of course, getting a win secures your card, you know, in that manner. But, you know, he went from basically being, we, we could have been looking at Guido without a, without a, a card. You know, he was like a, a, a bad two months away from having to go to Q school. And that, and that could have been literally the reason why there was a downturn in form. Like, he struggled during COVID or, like, you know, whatever. Like, maybe he just felt the pressure and, and didn't know how to deal with it. Like, he's still young. Like, he's still pretty new. Like, people forget how new he is really to the tour in the grand scheme of things. Like, maybe that pressure, you know, how now it's going to be, how is he going to perform now that's all locked up? Like, is he going to relax off and, and not put in the hard yards and, and maybe just slip off a bit? Or is he now going to be completely freed up and just play his best golf? It's... It can go one of two ways, and you're getting nearly 100 to 1 for that, then I'm happy to find out. I'm not on him, yeah. but I, I can see why. Yeah, yep, absolutely. We could pick up the pace a little bit um, here as we kind of close. I guess I still have free selection, so I'm going to be the one who has to talk quick. But, um, yeah, let's let's dig into triple digits here. So mine are very quick. Like, I'll just rattle one off, and then we'll let you finish up. So Ewan Ferguson, for me, like he's already had two wins this season. Could have easily been four. Um, Ollie Wilson dropped a bomb on him on the 17th hole in, in Himalayan, and he threw it away in Kenya when he had a four-shot lead. Uh, he's now come back to Scotland. You know, again, back to the, what does McIntyre do that, that Ferguson doesn't, right? I mean, McIntyre's one in better company. Uh, Ferguson definitely would have to make a step up, but he's finished 17th here in the past already, and he was inside the top 10 for the first three rounds. So... This is a guy that conceivably could have been a four-time winner this season. Now, you could, if I'm saying that he could have easily had those two wins, you could easily take the two wins he had back off of him. But he was, he went wire to wire in one of them. So, um, and and the other one, he was a bit, un, a bit unlucky not to take home with Ollie Wilson. So, um, I just really like the price, like triple digits about you and Ferguson, similar to to Migliozzi, They just don't think they can win uh, again. And then the other one, it's a rogue one, and I think it's maybe best for top 10s and top 20s, but I'm going to go all out on the outright with Alex Fitzpatrick, the, the other Fitzpatrick. Um, he's been I'm, good, sneaky he, good. I've been really, really impressed with him. Like, he's he's been playing in Canada and, and doing okay, and then he's come over and taken, like, he's been given invites, like, and he's going to be given invites because he's Matt Fitzpatrick's brother, right? But he was the fourth best amateur in the world at his peak, I think I, I checked earlier. Um he was offered live to turn that down to, to take advantage of these um, these invites. Missed the cut of the Irish Open, but then the last two starts, 27th for the Italian Open and 13th in France. And it was last week he struck the ball so much better. So it was 11th in strokes going approach and 9th overall tee to green. And I just think that he could make a real splash in this. Like we've seen one of your golfers you're going to go on to make a splash in this earlier in their career and, and it kind of lasts and... One thing I'd say is that if he's anything like Matt, then Matt hasn't played that well here. But I don't think you can just combine the two together. Like you wouldn't just combine the Molinaris together and things like that, right? So I love what he's been doing. Like he, there's a lot of pressure on him to to perform well. You know, his, his brother's just won a major championship. He's getting all these invites, three hundred to one, and and he's finished what twenty seventh and thirteenth his last two starts. And we don't know that he's not good at links golf. Like I have reasons to think that he could be. So um, I would take that price. Yeah, what I found interesting, um, if you remember, I said specifically on the show, there was only one other golfer that was worth it, worse in accuracy leading into the yeah. event than Guido, and it was Fitzpatrick. So Fitzpatrick, Alex, and he significantly improved that. He was better than 12% wise for accuracy yeah. for him in his in his last event. So like that's an improvement. And so to do that well at a course that I didn't 
think he would fit him at all is is even even more compelling of a reason. So yeah, I'm excited for Alex. I mean, there's definitely been golfers who have popped um, on here on debut or shortly after being coming up from amateurs. I think of um, Harry Hall. Harry Hall did yeah. that here. Uh, played with Rory on Sunday, I believe beat him, um, or at least um, was right there in the mix. And then Harry, um, yeah, obviously not on the PGA Tour. If I think of Eddie Pepperell and, and that, I mean, you, you have Southgate, and you can even talk, I want you to talk about the the Lynx just champ, I guess, one of the best players at Alfred Dunhill Lynx after this, but there's one that's the older age. And then if I find the youngest one, in my opinion, who has just shown up, Links course after links course after links course. That's Matthew Jordan. Matthew yeah. Jordan is not somebody I, I really enjoy backing because Sundays haven't been friendly for him. But I mean, it literally, it was on the Challenge Tour. It was on here on the, on the DP World Tour. It was on the PGA Tour. Like, like he, where, where did Jordan end up finishing? Um, on let's see, I think it was the week before uh, the Open Championship. Yeah, Scottish Open. He made the cut, which was pretty dang good for for him to to make a cut. He was twenty fourth the Irish Open. So like that's a big event, you know, and then of course, you know, he kind of just continued to to really in those um just I mean Alfred Dunhill, I think it would have been what year was what year was that? Nineteen where Jordan played and popped fifth. up. Yeah, he finished fifth. Yeah. But he he'd actually you know, played he, the year before as well. Um so he had played two two DP World Tour events that year and he was fifteenth at the British Masters and then he was fifth at the Alfred Dunhill. I guess he had played um, some earlier swing season events with the final two of that year. Man, he really, really kind of lit it up. I don't know. I just think, I mean, yeah, the 42nd, the year before when he was an amateur, like, I just think Jordan is the epitome of, of a Lynx golf young player who could show up this event. And like Eddie has shown flashes, missed a cut on the number uh, last week. But I mean, if you look at the, the week before 23rd Wentworth and then fourth Himmerlin there too, where he was, very out very well in the mix just has probably his best year yet since kind of finding some rhythm there and i think um he, he could definitely do it here so that's the first one for me um second one is i'm going back to the yannick paul well yannick played exceptional through 54 holes all he did was par on sunday so it was disappointing because he, he, he i mean he would have needed guido's round to to win yeah. of course um uh, but I mean, Yannick continues to play play exceptional well. Now, you don't really know what Yannick looks like when it comes to, um, I guess he played the Irish Open and made the cup, but you don't really know a true, I mean, 16th at the, the British Masters for him. Um, Irish Challenge, when he was on the, the DP World Tour, he finished fourth. Um, British Challenge in 2021, he finished third. So I think, you know, if you had to kind of ping pong it on, on the events he'd played um, on lower tours um, and done well, you, you think he's okay in that setting. So yeah. um, I, I absolutely trust going to Yannick. He's one tens over here. Um, so those are my two there before I go way long, but let's talk one more golfer on your end um, uh, that you kind of debated on the card or you think probably is a killer draft. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, you had Southgate and then Lagergren, like he's just, he's just ridiculous, yes. right? Like joking Lagergren, he's played here uh, six times. He's missed one cut. And then the other times he's finished second, third, fourth, fourth, and 12th. Like for some reason, he just likes playing his golf course um, or these sets of golf courses and links golf in general. Like he plays well in wind affected places. So um, I don't have any confidence in him because of the, you, you can't because of the numbers and the way he's playing. But the intangibles suggest that he's going to play well here uh, for whatever reason. So if you can get a big number on him, if you can put him in low price in DraftKings, then do it. 
Um, same with Southgate. Like Southgate, I think missed three or four cuts here, but then finished second. Like it's, it's just really tough to see. But to your Jordan point, like he was 32nd on his debut before that fifth place finish, and he'd actually opened with a 77, which I imagine was probably at Carnoustie. I don't know. Um, and then shot 67, 66 to get into 20th place, and then just shot 74 on the final day. Then finishes fifth, despite the fact that he was the 36-hole leader. Struggled on the Saturday shooting 71, and then came out with a success in the final day. So he has missed two cuts here since, and I just don't believe in him in terms of winning. But I think he's a really strong play for you know top tens, top twenties, and, and DraftKings. Yeah, yeah, makes total sense. So I got one final pick, and then we can quick throw some quick hitters at guys. So um, your uh, podcast guest, uh, who kind of stirred up the most controversy, you've probably had to run into on your show, but I think Peter Uline at, at 150s um, is, is incredibly intriguing this week. Uh, I mean, I don't view him in the same light as some of the other golfers who made the leap, you know, and he, he talked about that on kind of your show. Um, but Uline, second place, last live event. And if I think of the golfer who, from a distance standpoint and kind of a course fit, like, I, I think Uline does that. He led, he led live in, in distance last week. He kind of longer off the tee in that manner. I mean, it's not that far removed from like competing on the Corn Ferry Tour, right? Second place in 17th in the two Corn Ferry Tour events that he played um, this year. You know, he didn't really show anything on the PGA Tour when he played um, there, but he won an event in 2021 uh, uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I, I I mean, you get 150s on that. You get a second, um, let's see, what a top 10 in the Asian Tour, a third in the first live event. Like, he's been fine. You know, nothing outstanding, nothing bad. But then you partner that with his Lynx success when he did cut his teeth on the DP World Tour, the European Tour back then. What, second place, I believe, was uh, his yep. 2013 finish here. Um, Irish events, he did pretty decent on, kind of ruined that career. So, like, he has a familiarity more than a lot of other guys, at least, not, I mean, of, of his age and kind of the way he's kind of gone. I, I just think it's sneaky hidden in that kind of come he, up out here. He loves, he, he said to me, he's got a love like, hate relationship with Lynx Golf. He said to me that, like, he loves the, he relishes the idea of doing it. And by the time he's played it for four weeks, he can't wait to get out because he's hit, you know, pure six lines and they've just bounced and gone the wrong way and stuff like that. But, like, yeah. He lost in a playoff to David Howe in 2013, lost on the second hole. Like you say, he won a, 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 a Corn Ferry event last year, and he also lost in a playoff to Carl Yuan in, in a playoff earlier this year on, on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. So he's not far removed from being good. There's a reason he's invited to this event, like because um, he had to get an invite. So that's an interesting dynamic in itself. Um, I just hope that he can focus. Like, it just depends how he gets treated, right? And I, I imagine with him, the circle that he keeps, I think that um he would only really speak to the people that, that are going to be fine with him and i, I think 90 percent of players are fine with him and the others have to not be because they're in the public eye and it's as simple as that um so yeah i, I think he'll be okay okay yeah i think 150 is very fair um when you kind of have that speculation around it so um i'm going to just run through a couple golfers um deeper down because this invitation list is definitely odd um, from from the golfers um, who are playing here due to some of those exemptions. We're seeing Callum Hill for the first time in a long time. Uh, I did want to note that. So good to see Callum Hill um, back. But if you kind of go into golfers um, from other tours, Alexander Knapp is probably the best um, challenge tour golfer yeah. that is that is getting um, an invitation here. Um, obviously, Patrick Harrington is ripping up the, the Champions Tour right now. Uh, I Like I said, I mentioned Knapp. 
Tukumi Kanaya is playing once again. Um, Jocko Allers is coming off the top 10, uh, I guess two top 10s in his last three events at the Sunshine Tour. Really intrigued by Trent Phillips. Trent Phillips is playing this week. Uh, he was a top class, top 10 amateur out of Georgia this year, playing as well on that form tour or the, the uh, McKenzie Tour in Canada. Uh, was first round leader, his last round event there, ended up finishing fifth. But he had three top fives, I believe, in his last six events, two other top fives earlier in the year. Oliver Hundable is back. Um, he continued to make cuts. Um, Albert Venture coming off of the, I believe Venture's on the, the Sunshine Tour. Um, he has four or five, yeah, four top tens in his last six events there. Um, Neil Shidikat, uh, three top 20s in a row, three weeks there. Casey Jarvis, um, he had won. Casey Jarvis was a top class amateur. Um, he had won on the Big Easy Tour earlier this year, was first round leader last week, or actually, you know, he's first round leader three weeks ago on the uh, Sunshine Tour inside the top five after two rounds, but had a tough Sunday there. Um, uh, that's quickly going through a lot of them. Um, Casey uh, Jarvis was the one I, I found really yes. intriguing from that kind of, you know, invite list that you rattled off there. Obviously, Hundable, we've we've seen do um, stuff earlier in the year, but that, that Trent Phillips call is interesting because I think that that, I think, wasn't that Fortinet Championship to get a Corn Ferry Tour card? For, for yeah, he should, he should be on Corn, Corn Ferry Tour next year, yep. So, like, we've already seen what players coming over from that level of, of you know, tour does maybe not the mckenzie tour the form tour but but the corn ferry tour guys coming over so i think that's a uh, huge i mean we saw paul barjon play so well you referenced yeah uh, in the show last week like that if, if he's that type of level of player then he could be really successful i do think marcel seems an interesting one um for for long shots but i just in terms of just pure bets i, I haven't got to him but um yeah i think he's good for DraftKings. perfect uh, so we'll round it out here and of course if you are an audio listener uh, we can find us or you can find us on all of your podcast platforms, Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. Rate, review, subscribe goes a long way for us. We have some more fist pumping, hopefully in our future um, with some outright wins there. So we appreciate all your support. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, leave a comment, subscribe goes a really long way for us. Tom, can you close us out with your card? Yeah, so for me, it's Tyrrell Hatton. They're at 16 to 1, 18 to 1, whatever it is that you can still get. Rasmus Hoygaard at 50 to 1. Uh, Thorbjorn Ollison, I think he's still 70 to 1 over there with you guys. Ewan Ferguson, don't know quite what price he is with you now, but triple digit should be 100 to 1. And Alex Fitzpatrick at 300 to 1. Awesome. I'll be going with Eddie Pepperell, 66 to 1. Thorbjorn Ollison with you, I'm jumping on there at 70 to 1. Guido Migliazzi, 80 to 1. Yannick Paul, 110 to 1. Matthew Jordan, 125. And Peter Uline, 150. Um, we're going to have a great week ahead of us on the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. We appreciate all your support. And let's come back with another Twitter triumphant Sunday time. I would love that for us. Coffee golf, I think, is what you guys called it. Yes. Coffee links. I think it was uh, Axis put out earlier. Um, so yep. excited for you guys to wake up and watch it with coffee. Uh, I'm excited to uh, just watch it in general. So looking forward to it. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care. 